Bigfoot, Skunk Ape, Grassman, Sasquatch. Just a few of the names given to the primate-like creature said to roam the woods and remote areas of North America. Tales of this elusive being go back for hundreds of years. Is it mere myth and legend? Or is there truly something more tangible to this phenomenon? Join us on this journey as we discuss the science behind the encounters, the research and the evidence, keeping you updated on the latest findings, ideas and hypothesis. Arrogance gets us nowhere and closing one's eyes doesn't make things disappear nor less real. Today's myth could be tomorrow's reality. It's time to make this subject matter less taboo. Welcome to Monster X Radio. Bigfoot without the BS. Hey, welcome to Monster X Radio. This is Gunner along with uh, Shane Hardcore Corson. Shane, how are you doing? Doing well, Gunner. As always, glad to be here. So we were talking a little bit before the show, and you were saying, you know, you've been on the phone all day, but I think I'm the one that sounds like I've been talking all day. All of a sudden, <laughs> uh, a frog jumped in my throat, so excuse me if I sound a little horsey. We'll forgive you this time around, Gunner. Um, I should have warmed up. Yes, a lot of uh, interesting changes going on. With uh, You've been around with Monster X for a while. You know that... Uh, we started a paid membership part of Monster X called Exclusive a couple of years ago. And after much discussion, uh, we decided to go back to what we really liked doing, which was, was uh, sharing with the, uh, the general public more of our shows and content. We were on Blog Talk for a long time. Now we're, we moved to Podbean. So, uh, people have asked me, you know, where can I find it now? And I'll, we also are making a YouTube version of each show now, so you can find it on YouTube and Podbean. And uh, if you want to get the information sent to you when we're releasing new shows, go to our website, which thank you, Mr. David Boozer of PacWest Bigfoot, retooled our Monster X website. If you go to www.monsterxradio.com, and you'll see a banner up there to, to uh, sign up. We're doing drawings every month for cool, free, squatchy stuff. Um, this month, Sasquatch Coffee, which is my company, is providing the, the prize package. So I think we're doing a bag of coffee. We had a Christmas ornament from this year, a, a nice, cool stuffed Bigfoot, and I think a mug or something. Uh, but anyway, go check it out. It's in our Facebook group. And if you go to our website, be sure and register. Um, also, if you register... Uh, be sure you look, check your email, including your spam folder, because it sends a, a confirmation email, and you need to click on that so that finish the process. Yeah, we get a, a lot of folks are signing up already, and uh, we're going to be more active in our Facebook group and on our Facebook page. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on. Shane, you've been really busy. I know you were just on uh, Steve Cole's show. Uh, we, we shared a post or on the Facebook page on the on our website about some of the, the podcasts that you've been on recently. What, where in the heck is Shane Corson? 
all over the place, Gunner, all over the place. And uh, yeah, I've been super busy. You know, of course, uh, we just, Darcy weirded this documentary with us or included us in the Limb Project, a few members. That's called the Sasquatch Among Wild Men. You can find it on Amazon Prime and a few other, I think, Vimeo and, and a few other platforms. So uh, we've been doing the circuit, talking about that on a bunch of different podcasts and radio shows from across the world, everywhere from the UK to Canada to the United States. So I've been busy doing that. And a lot of the stuff I've been doing lately, as usual, is being out in the field, checking out areas of interest. And so, yeah. That's cool. A um, bunch of stuff I've, I was perusing the the interweb uh, recently, and there's a Hulu is getting into the Bigfoot documentary. There's something called Sasquatch that uh, we shared the link in, in the Facebook group, but uh, that's coming up. I didn't see a release date yet for it. Expedition Bigfoot is back on the air, like it or, or not. It is entertaining. I did pony up my five bucks for the, the second season, watched the first two ex- episodes, and, you know, it is entertaining. It's fun to watch people that, you know, uh, Russ, I consider Russ a court friend, and he does a good job out in the woods, you know, and what what will they find? I mean, you put people out in, in a wood, air, wooded area where there's Bigfoot, history of Bigfoot, Something could happen. They've got neat toys that they're using out there. They've got thermal, and they use that LIDAR. Uh, they they use it in the first uh, season, and they're using they use it this time. They does a, a pretty extensive job of showing you the layout of the land, including like things that like game trails that you can see that show up in on LIDAR that you wouldn't otherwise you know don't show up on any map, of course. Of course, you could find them by wandering around, but having a map of them would be an incredible asset. So if you, you like entertaining Bigfoot shows, uh, Expedition Bigfoot is uh, available. I'm sure you can find it. You just Google it if you're so inclined. So uh, I, Seth Breedlove from Small Town Monsters is endeavoring to do another uh, Bigfoot documentary. Uh, he will be up in, uh, my understanding, it's up in your neck of the woods, up in the, the Olympic Peninsula. What, do you, yeah. what what can you tell us about that, Shane? Do you know anything? Well, I, I know Inquiring Seth. Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> I know Seth is heading this way, and <laughs> Seth Breedlove is just, I'm, I'm a huge fan of uh, all of his work, and he covers many, many different aspects of the cryptic world. He's got a lot of great documentaries out there with small-town monsters. I just, I love everything Seth does because Seth is, he's grassroots is what I would say. He's not bought by anybody. He's not a sellout. He does fantastic documentaries and, and he's somebody I've supported over the years and somebody that I really believe in that is doing a lot of different subject matter, both cryptid and paranormal, whatever you want to call it, justice. And it's very, very entertaining. And he's all about not just the science behind some of this stuff, but also the personalities behind it. And that's what's lacking, I think, in a lot of these TV documentaries, these TV shows, is the personality behind some of this stuff. And the history. It's fascinating when you watch some of uh, Seth's stuff. And he's got a gazillion different things out there that he's done. For me, uh, a staple in proper film work. I heard a rumor that he's coming up to 
my neck of the woods up here in the Olympics, and we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm excited about what he's going to be doing here, and uh, guarantee it's going to be Bigfoot related. So stay tuned for that exciting stuff. The way that these uh, documentaries get done is is Seth raises money through Kickstarter, and he does have a Kickstarter campaign that starts on the 4th of February. And uh, we did have a post about it on the Facebook group. We'll put a link in the below this, this show too. So you can check it out. This was the last one in the, in the uh, Olympic Peninsula as well. So yeah, on the trail of Bigfoot was like, I think a six to seven part series. And he went, yes, a, a good portion of that was in the Olympics. He went to work with Nowak out of the, uh, Texas, Oklahoma area, and he did a bunch of different stuff with the, like the Ohio Night Stalkers and or just across the country. So good stuff. Yeah, it's beautifully shot. I mean, it, yeah, not just. I mean, the, the editing and stuff is is awesome. And as they progressed, you know, done more and more of these, they're it's professionally done. It's it's awesome to watch. They're fun, entertaining, and uh, this one is going to be called On the Trail of. Bigfoot, the discovery, and again, Kickstarter campaign starts out on the the fourth of February. I know that, and runs through the month and into early March. Make sure you join the crew on February fourth at seven p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the annual Kickstarter launch party. So they'll be broadcasting live on Facebook and YouTube. So check out Small Town Monsters and. Uh, Sure, if you you know if you if you're so inclined to kick in a little bit, I I know that I will be kicking some into this project. So, and if you haven't already watched um, the other productions from Small Town Monsters, check them out on Facebook. All their stuff is there. If you're into cryptids and unknown stuff, it's all awesome. So yeah, can't say enough. I'll I'll be getting an autograph when I see them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Check out smalltownmonsters.com. They're on Facebook. I believe they're on Instagram, Twitter. They're everywhere. So, uh, interesting article I ran across on the internet about uh, this clouded leper that was spotted, that was thought to be extinct, that was spotted for the first time in 37 years in Taiwan. Did you, did uh, you see that one, Shane? Uh, briefly, I've been I've been literally on the horn all day. Uh, I I saw that you posted that and looks very intriguing. I saw that Doug Hycheck, of course, famous for his uh his series uh, Monster Quest, commented on there in our group. Uh, I mean, what can I say? Here's another one where yes, yes, a known species, but that, it was thought to be extinct and now has uh, been filmed and proven to exist. Uh, or, or or still exist, I should say, and right over the years, I mean, beautiful animal, by the way. Oh, gorgeous animal! Yes, it's just awesome. Thirty-seven years, not extinct. All of a sudden, pops up out of nowhere. So it's not as big a stretch as pe- some people think about there being animals out there that haven't been fully documented. And you know, people, you know, the Bigfoot is an undocumented creature, but it isn't und. It isn't completely undocumented. There's tons of anecdotal stories. There's, you know, hair, footprints. Uh, yeah, some fuzzy photos. Some photos that aren't as fuzzy that I've seen that uh, aren't in the public realm. And hair. And, of course, very importantly, 
some very weird groundness up there in Washington uh, with lots of hair in them that uh, obviously uh, came from the constructors of these nests. And those hairs aren't from deer, bear, elk. Nothing. Right. They, they do match something, though. They, they match some other hairs that have come from incidents associated with Bigfoot. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of these. Yeah, they do match. They do match those kind of hairs. Yeah, exactly. They match a lot of the hairs found from throughout the Pacific Northwest and uh, certain parts of the country, North America. Here, they they match so they match perfectly, uh, lacking medulla and and very uh, primate like. So yeah, very interesting stuff there, and 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 kind of getting back to some of these uh, uh, species that have been found, whether thought to be extinct or or new to science, yeah. As I've talked about on the show before, the Tapanuli orangutan proven to mm-hmm. exist in 2017 out of the, the Indonesia area, Sumatra. 500, yeah, I think, different individuals in that area, yeah. Uh, new orangutan species. And just recently, we had the discovery of a, a new whale species off of Costa Mexico, somewhere out there. That's, I mean, profound. And, and of course, uh, whales are mammals, right? So another mammal found, yes, the, the ocean is vast, and I'm sure there's a ton, absolute ton of discoveries to be made out there. But still, science is still, and individuals outside of science are still discovering new species. And so to be closed-minded uh, to say that Sasquatch doesn't exist, uh, to me, is ridiculous. But the proof's in the pudding. Keep plugging away so um yeah with the harris gunner they'll get back to the harris real quick i kind of shift the gears there but with the harris yeah mm-hmm. you know uh the, the hairs are fascinating because they don't match anything visually speaking under a microscope and we've had quite a few different individuals look at these hairs because the dna work if, if you don't find a fresh hair it's really hard to uh do any dna work on them but though science is catching up and there are there is some facets to that that we can look at these hairs don't match anything up here known wise with the mammals and the animals in these areas you know they lack medulla they're coarse they're non their pigmentation that the suspect hairs are got a pigmentation of kind of like a reddish color which is reported in a lot of sasquatch sightings and as dr meldrum will tell you and cindy dosen of hananai enigma will tell you they're they're primate here. And so people go, oh, they're human? No, they're not. They're not human here. Th- this hair's never been cut. Plus, you you spent a lot of time with the nest material and have meticulously gone through and by and large been the person who has recovered the hair from these ne- from the nest material. And uh there the the amount of hair that was recovered, no human would shed that amount of hair. In that in that amount of time, so that that it's something that has much more hair than a human, you know, unless somebody shaved their hair into the nest. If you're shaving your hair in the yeah. nest, it'd, it'd be cut. It'd be cut exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. No cut hair. Right. No cut hair, so, and uh, it's just fascinating when you look at the different hair samples. Yes, we've gotten a lot of known animals, but they're they're so obvious. You know, you can recognize a bear hair. You can recognize an elk hair, a deer hair, a fox hair. A, you know, you name it, raccoon. Yeah. It, one of the interesting things that came out of the hairs that were sent to to Cindy Dotson is that she 
identified these hairs that don't match anything, but also known hairs. And among those was raccoon hair, but also a raccoon hair of a deceased raccoon. Like yeah. the, the raccoon was in the nest was deceased. And you can tell that by looking at the hair. I mean, the way that it grew out or stopped growing. I don't, yeah, exactly. I, I'm not sure how, how you determine that. Yeah. Yeah. But, deceased um, raccoon. So the hairs, not, not only were these unknown hairs, they weren't found in a vacuum. They were found amongst hairs of, of the, of the animals that you would expect to find in that region. So there was, there was all the, there was known hairs and then there was these anomalies, these hair and, and predominantly the hair in the nest, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, is predominantly these unknown hairs. Yeah. Predominantly unknown hairs. And I'm, I'm going to say there was a gazillion hairs in these nests, but there was a good amount of hairs in these nests, um, hair samples in these nests. And yeah, they were predominantly the, enough. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, more than enough. Um, if you walk out in the woods, yeah. I remember Dr. Meldon telling me this many years ago, not me personally, he was doing an expedition with us up in, uh, in Washington state. And he said he took a, a, a bunch of lab students out to the woods and he said, stand out in the woods and, you know, said, look down, find hair. And the longer they looked in the woods, they found hair. They just stood there and literally looked at the ground they were standing on. You will find hair everywhere. You know what you're looking for and how to look and spend the time doing it. Everything in the nest, yes, in this area, I mean, you got all sorts of ungulates moving through these areas. You got all sorts of rodents. Uh, you got all sorts of known mammals, birds. You're going to find all that stuff. I mean, guaranteed. What you're really sifting for, though, is, and you would expect that if something's building a nest, you expect to be Define predominantly uh, the hair that's building that nest, so the species that's building nests. And yeah, that's exactly what's going on in these areas is that you find this unknown, really obscure hair that's almost pubic like, at least as I've come across. And, and a lot of people look for like, they think Sasquatch hair is going to be like, uh, you know, 10 inches, eight, six, whatever inches long. No, no the hair we're finding is anywhere from you know, uh, a half inch to a little bit longer, maybe an inch or two, but nothing crazy. I mean, we're not talking about crazy amounts of hair lengthwise. With a nest, uh, and this isn't bear behavior, this isn't uh, bird behavior, this isn't any of those known animals' behavior. It's just not wood rat behavior. Yeah, it's definitely not wood rat. I had to throw that one in there. Yeah, yeah, smart <laughs> ass. Yeah, yeah. I uh, have been uh, having uh Having lived in California for many years in Oregon and Washington, I've seen hundreds, hundreds of wood rat nests. Uh, wood rats build piles of stuff. They collect stuff and, and sometimes larger stuff, big, big piles. And, and Gunner refers to that because someone had approached us saying that uh, those are wood rat nests. Well, <laughs> no. Wood rats don't stick... Uh, Huckleberry boughs into the ground and then formulate huckleberry boughs around that to formulate a nest. It doesn't happen. It's just no. These were constructed. These were these nests. And if you've listened to the shows that we've done about the nest, this whole ridgeline, when one of the most profound parts of the story, when I was listening to Derek Randall's tell when he first saw this, is how decimated. All these huckleberries were snapped off on this entire wood, this ridge line, and how you could tell by looking at them that they'd been snapped. 
and then transported from across the, the ridge to make these nests in, in a fairly tight location. I mean, they weren't spread out over no. hundreds of acres. They were the, the first nest. There were some nests, subsequent nests that were found separate from this initial site, and they were definitely separated than the, than the, uh, the rocks that were found that, that had been scored like they'd been hit together. There's something up there that's not, you know. I was just going to say, to get back to the wood rat thing, too, though, with all the wood rat nests I've come across, and I've come across so many, and many many of listeners are very familiar with wood rat nests, you find wood rat feces. There's no wood rat feces in any of these areas. Uh, a wood rat's not going to be able to snap a or break off half inch to two inch huckleberry bough. Yeah, yeah, not going to happen. Right. Some of these breaks were over, <laughs> uh, you know, eight feet off the ground. Some of them a foot off the ground. Some eight feet off the ground. No teeth marks. No claw marks. So it's uh, yeah. I mean, I just get kind of tired of arguing about it. It's like, well, it was just read. Yeah, yeah. Show me something. You know, it was a ridiculous. Yeah, I brought that up to, to illustrate the ridiculousness of what, you know, people talking uh, out of school without knowing what they were talking about. And it, I, I found it amusing that somebody, oh, yeah, I have that answer. I have the answer. You know, I haven't been there. I haven't seen them. Yeah, I don't I don't know anything. This is what I think they are. They're obviously not that. And they do look like when you go look, as Derek discovered by when he after he initially saw them and, and doing some research, he found that they most resemble the nests of gorillas. <laughs> so yeah. that, that's an interesting, I mean, that's more than an interesting coincidence. You know, it's just weird. And there was scat found outside the nest that wasn't, uh, wasn't wood rat scat, but was scat from something. Oh, absolutely. That, uh, yeah. I mean, with the impressions found this well, area, both uh, foot impressions, hand impressions, um, I'll tell you, What's a slap in the face is that to say that we we, we will automatically go towards Sasquatch. No, uh, actually, when we walked into the site, uh, led to the site, the original nest site, and we found another one subsequently, uh, just this past, uh, uh, last year, February, um, is to say that we went right to Sasquatch. No, we tried to roll out everything, and we did roll out everything, and that's where we're mm-hmm. at this point in time where we're like, okay. Obviously, we didn't see a Sasquatch build a nest. We didn't see a Sasquatch doing this or that. But to say that we haven't d- done our due diligence is a slap in the face. I- I've looked at yeah. hundreds of hours of video. I've done hundreds of hours of research on nest building in North America and outside the country. And like you said, Gunner. As Derek Randalls will tell you, this, the closest thing that resembles these nests are gorilla nests. You know, it's like a giant bird nest on the ground. And they're massive. And they're not all of them are massive. They're different sizes. And they're congregated mm-hmm. together. And they're very militaristically placed. So that's super interesting. Yeah, we've done our homework. We're pretty confident in a few things. But we're not going to say Sasquatch made these nests unless we saw a Sasquatch later. But I'll tell you. Like I was, we were just talking about, um, back in uh, February of last year, which many of our viewers know, Todd Hale and I, who's an Olympic Project member, came across these ground nests, or a brand new ground nest, excuse me, a brand new ground nest that was in the making. We walked in on something making one of these, and we subsequently found 
hand impressions. We found foot impressions. We found hair uh, in an unformulated nest. It was in the making. And some of these breaks were nine feet off the ground. Uh, no teeth marks, no claw marks, which is the usual case. So, uh, yeah, that's this isn't uh, <laughs> this isn't known animal behavior. Period. That was that was a huge yeah yeah, and that's what we've said before. Is this it's either an unknown behavior, never documented before behavior by a known animal, right? Or it's it's a behavior from an unknown animal, and the fact that there's all these hairs that come that don't belong to any known animal means lines it up with you know that it's well this is an unknown animal made these things. I mean, okay. just lining the things up, it, I I I feel comfortable in saying the likelihood there's a high likelihood that these things were big were made by Bigfoot. Some for whatever reason because the hairs match other hairs. There's hairs in the database that um, were collected in association with uh, a Bigfoot sighting. Hairs match these hairs. So there isn't like, that's the connection. It's like, okay, you know, well, there's a bunch of other unknown hairs. Well, no, somebody saw a Bigfoot collect his hair in association with that sighting. And those hairs match the hairs found in the net. So that's where it, it links together really solidly for me. Besides the the history in the area, the sightings, the other activities, footprints found. And then the whole this whole time, the kind of holy grail is to find it replicated in another location. And that happened this, this past last year. Yeah. You guys yeah. first you and Derek found what looked to be even older nests, and then you and Todd right. found <laughs> It seems that you interrupted a nest being constructed. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. And then yeah. there's all the corroborating evidence. It isn't just a nest on the ground. It's all the other things that, and your your experience with Todd is just tips the scale even further because, you know, you guys heard something approaching, you know, obviously large. Probably, maybe, possibly more than one, and then found. Subsequently, found this nest. Found the, they like said, found a handprint. Found hairs. So, it's a behavior that that uh, well isn't you know it's not like it's done every night, but it's done periodically for some reason, and it does serve some purpose. You know, you and I have talked about that at length, and um, I've always leaned towards the nursery you know, birthing kind of scenario. This maybe that's what why would you have these and what and we don't know what their group dynamics are, you know, but there are stories of them being seen in pairs, um, younger, you know, larger, smaller. A story from the Tilma Forest comes to mind. Anyway, not not to beat a uh the nest to death, but it is it's it's, it's fun. It's one of those subjects that uh, gets us going and, and we can t talk about for hours. So if you haven't listened to the uh, Monster X interviews that, that Shane did with Todd Hale, um, you should go back and listen to those. I'll post the links to those uh, with the show so that uh, they'll be easy to find. I'll post it. I'll also go and post them in the Facebook group because it just is another 
continuation of this this ongoing saga of these nests that were found. What is it now? Four years ago? Or is that four or five years ago? Uh, yeah. So I mean, basically, these nests originally were found by a timber surveyor. I mean, for the and like Gunnar was saying. Uh, we have all this stuff in our archive shows you can go back and listen to. I'm not going to get into it tonight, but they were found in 2016 by our timber surveyor. And then we were eventually uh, led to the site. And yeah, uh, we found uh, to date now about 24 of these nests, including two nests that were built into the bush. Like I said, I'm not going to get into it tonight. You can go back and listen to these episodes. But what we have here is an accumulation of a lot of cool stuff. We don't just have handprints. We don't just have footprints. We don't just have nests. We also have audio and audio that's been vetted and looked at by individuals such as, you know, a, a, our partner and the good cool heart, uh, David Ellis of the Olympic Project. We have a lot. David. Of, yeah, David, we have a, so much good audio from these areas. So we just have a compiling of such amazing things, I think, personally. Maybe other people can disagree with me i don't care this is exciting to me this is fun stuff and we're really working on some neat stuff derek and tori had a sighting in close proximity yeah yeah exactly <laughs> saw, saw something that yeah yeah they could i mean from what they described could have only been a bigfoot right and and that goes back to the fact that we yeah. spend uh quite a few of us spend a, a ungodly amount of time out in the woods and the more time you spend in the woods you know the, you better your chances not just for recording audio not just for finding tracks and impressions, but also having a possible sighting. And yeah, Derek and Tori had a possible, quite, quite literally a really good sighting in the area of the nest site uh, while traveling the roads. So yeah, and all this is in past episodes. So check them out. I mean, we can go off and off about the nest site. I get, <laughs> I get a lot of people going, well, you know, you guys keep talking about nest sites, but I'll be honest with you, it's one of the most exciting things I've ever been involved in and it's hard for me not to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, I shared everything. There's just so much that goes into this and uh, knowing that historically speaking, there's been other nests found, uh, you know, uh, as I've talked about in the show many, many times, there's been other nest sites found, never this number, but uh, once again, most of these nests are found by timber cruisers or somebody in the timber industry off trail because these aren't areas where people are hiking, fishing, hunting, whatever have you. In fact, in 1967, as I've shared on the show before again, there was a, a timber surveyor out there in Bluff Creek above Scorpion Creek that found a nest in 1967. And if you guys are familiar with the Patty film, the Patterson Gimlin film from that, which you should be if you're listening to the show, uh, there was a nest found. <laughs> Out there above Scorpion Creek, which feeds into Bluff Creek, mere, you know, not that a stone's throw away from the Patterson Gimlin film. Yeah, there was a nest, uh, nest found there. So, yeah, uh, it's just things that make you go, hmm, maybe there's something to this nest. Maybe mm-hmm. there's something to the nest, and there's something to do with birthing purposes. If you look at Patty, that's a female Sasquatch, no doubt about it. So, yeah, I've done a lot of podcasts lately because of the documentary that uh, Dylan Project was involved with, uh, Darcy Weir, Sasquatch Among Wild Men. And we kind of get into a little bit of that. But uh, one of the aspects that Darcy Weir brings up is that there have been nests found out, uh, found in other um, countries, 
you know, like China, for example. And uh, I'm just going to leave it there because watch the documentary. And there's a little bit of a connection possibly uh, with some of this stuff that I think is very fascinating, a very fascinating aspect to this phenomena. And uh, by phenomena, I use the word phenomena a lot, but phenomena, I mean nothing paranormal. I just mean it's it's unexplained. It is uh, something we need to look into further. So, yeah, you you were just, like I mentioned earlier, you were on Steve Cole's the Sasquatch Detectives show. Was that last night? And I haven't had the chance to listen to the whole thing, but I watched the, his teaser trailer about it. And I, and in it, you were talking about the sighting that you had in the Mount Hood forest. And it, it, it took me back there because I've been there with you a couple of times. Yeah. And uh, we didn't have Bigfoot come in then, but that it's just that still brings the hair on. I wasn't there when you saw Bigfoot, but it does bring the hair on the back of my neck up. It's like, yeah, that reminds me of some of the stuff in the Tillamook Forest. And because we had a lot of weird stuff happen up in there. Well, this last year, like we said, this, with COVID and, and work and whatever, I didn't spend as much time in the woods as I normally like to. But this year, I'm going to get out back up into Tillamook. I'm going to catch up with Larry and, and spend some time up there. And there's a an area that uh, ties in that Cliff Berkman told me about some stories about it. And uh, it ties into a theory that we have about travel routes and and uh, yeah so we'll i'll be sharing that with you guys we'll we'll be doing video when we go out in the, the field i have a have a drone that i want to play with uh, that i can put my gopro in and videotape so susan likes to do photography so we will uh, share that this in an area that uh, we saw some bobcats a couple of years ago crossing the road in front of us so interesting that's, creatures up there that's definitely a rare event that's funny because that made brought a flashback to uh, when I was up in the Isle on Operation Sea Monkey and we had the grizzly bear. We were actually on the on the beach and uh, Thomas Seawood and and the captain were still on the boat and I don't somebody else was still on the boat. I think it might have been uh, um, Ron Moorhead and the rest of us were on the beach and we were putting up Thomas Steenberg who does uh, on the shoulders of giants with Julie and I were hanging up trail cams and and Todd's there and he actually had a shotgun with him just in case something came up well as it comes up on the radio yeah they they call us the captain calls us and, and like uh who has it who has a shotgun and he's gonna and so I'll do my best to uh, not <laughs> swap and you know uh well you might you, you might want to load it <laughs> because because there was a grizzly on the we never did see the grizzly in person we got out they brought the boat up away, but there was a grizzly on the same beach as we were, and uh, that was exciting. And but the thing was, Todd, Todd, uh, you know, had the shotgun, and I said, "Well, if it, if he gets too close, I'm just going to start swimming." And Todd says, "Well, I'll just shoot you." Sorry, but he will. I, uh, I, I did. It did give me. It did give me pause at the time. Like, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think I can outswim a bullet. So. Anyway, oh, especially a slug, but anyway, I, I digress. Well, Shane, is there anything else you'd like to uh, uh, chatter, chatter, chatter like a Sasquatch, as Thomas likes to say, before we yeah, uh, yeah. wrap this up? No, other than there's a lot of cool stuff coming down the pike here. Uh, I know that 
we got a few trips planned out um, in some of these areas of interest. Uh, I know Todd Hell's going to be joining me, and Chris Spencer, and Rebecca Slick, and uh, Kurt Brandenburg, and Nathaniel Ronis. A lot of good individuals going to be joining me out this year in some areas of interest and bringing their their expertise and their ideas. Well, Shane, uh, it's been good. We just kind of rambled in uh, many directions tonight. Uh, you know, there was not really any script, uh, so we could call this Shane and Gunner Unscripted. Unscripted. I like it. I like it, yeah. Unscripted, yeah. All right. Well, everybody, uh, we will uh, be back soon. Uh, I know that uh, you, we've got, you know, besides the this classic Monster X show with Shane and I, um, there's Sasquatch Island with Thomas Seawood. Um, we've got On the Shoulder to the Giant with Julie Wrench and Thomas Steenberg, and, as well as The Haunted Sea with uh, Scott Morris and more to come. So go to our website, www.monstrexradio.com, and sign up to be the first to know, be in the know, of when the, we've got new uh, shows coming out. So uh, Plus, again, we're going to be doing uh, drawings every month. And as we go forward, they make it bigger and better and cooler. I don't know. I don't know if you can get bigger and better and cooler than Sasquatch Coffee. I don't think so. Shane, thanks for, for being with me. And uh, I, I look forward to seeing you in the woods pretty soon. And for everybody else, hope to see you in the woods too. Keep it squat.